The following is a sermon from Pastor David Salinas of Sure Foundation, a church located in Woodside, Queens, New York, the world's most diverse community. For more information and for more audio content, go to sure-foundation.org. She is slumped over, motionless, hopeless, amid the ruins of her house, all of her furniture is turned upside down because her world has been. Her brother is four days dead. A Jewish belief held that from the moment of death up to three days, the soul of a dearly departed kind of hovered around the body awaiting its final orders to its final destination. And so up to three days dead, there was still a prayer. There was still the slimmest chance that maybe, I don't know, maybe a prophet of God could come with some spiritual defibrillators and kickstart a dead ticker. But on the fourth day, the soul flew to its final destination, and so that was that. Lazarus is gone. Gone kind of like a dream, kind of like a plan, kind of like a future that you imagined for yourself. Maybe... I don't know, maybe you turned left instead of right and made this or that decision way back when and it's haunting you now. And you don't have the opportunity. You don't have the means. You don't have the power. You don't have the green light to make the change that you need to make. And so your plan your vision for your life. It's four days dead. So you're kind of stuck in the present. So are you? Stuck, I mean. I guess, in some way, we all are. We all have our gloom. Man, is this sermon tailor-made just for people like us. One of the amazing things that we're going to see as we pour into these eight visions that the prophet Zechariah had on this amazing night is that in almost all of them, all of the objects are moving. And that's because God is. He is on the move to save his people. He is on the move to reanimate them and reinvigorate them and re-energize them and lift them up out of the muck and in the mire of which they are stuck and get them moving forward. Letting the past be the past, looking with those bright resolute eyes at the great good things that God has in store for us because that is what God promised. Dear people of God, 
We who in our own ways can get stuck, stuck in grief, stuck in the circumstances of the time. We are about to experience a God who is as energetic as the Energizer Bunny, only more, and as more dauntless than a postal worker, even more. And that energy is going to be yours. Open up your worship folders and let's get moving. Zechariah chapter 1, the first of these amazing visions that he has been given. On the 24th day of the 11th month, the month of Shabbat, in the second year of Darius, the word of the Lord came to the prophet Zechariah, son of Berechiah, the son of Edo. During the night, I had a vision, and there before me was a man riding a red horse. He was standing among the myrtle trees in a ravine. Behind him were red, brown, and white horses. I asked, what are these, my lord? The angel who was talking with me answered, I will show you what they are. Then the man standing among the myrtle trees explained, they are the ones the Lord has sent to go throughout the earth. And they reported to the angel of the Lord who was standing among the myrtle trees, we have gone throughout the earth and found the whole world at peace and in rest. When the angel of the Lord said, Lord Almighty, how long will you withhold mercy from Jerusalem and from the towns of Judah, which you have been angry with these 70 years? So the Lord spoke kind and comforting words to the angel who talked with me. Then the angel who was speaking to me said, Proclaim this word. This is what the Lord Almighty says. I am very jealous for Jerusalem and Zion. But I am very angry with the nations that feel secure. I was only a little angry. Oh, but they added to the calamity. Therefore, this is what the Lord says. I will return to Jerusalem with mercy. And there my house will be rebuilt. And the measuring line will be stretched out over Jerusalem, declares the Lord Almighty. Proclaim further. This is what the Lord Almighty says. My town's will again overflow with prosperity, and the Lord will again comfort Zion and choose Jerusalem. So in Zechariah's day, the Persian, not the Babylonian empire, was top dog in the Middle East. And there was a really good reason for that. You see, the Persian empire had developed a state-of-the-art of its day, communication system. And any world power that wants to stay in power and be in power and be effective needs, basically among all, above all other things, an effective communication system. Because you've got to be able to, to know what is going on in the territories that you are governing. You've got to be able to know what is going on, especially in those outlying districts and areas that can get kind of thorny and kind of prickly, and people are fomenting revolt. Well, the Persian Empire had exactly that. They had developed what could best be described in our day as an early version of the Pony Express. The ancient historian Herodotus, this is how he describes the absolute efficiency and speed and magnificence 
of this equestrian team of postal workers from the Persian Empire. Listen to what he says. Nothing mortal travels as fast as these Persian messengers. The entire plan is a Persian invention, and this is the method of it. Along the whole line of road, there are men stationed on horses in number equal to the number of days which the journey takes, allowing a man and a horse a ride for each day. And neither snow, nor rain, nor heat, nor gloom of night will hinder these men from accomplishing at their best speed the distances which they have to go. Pretty cool. Let me tell you this. Persia may have developed and had the corner marketed on the high-speed internet of its day with 115 megabytes per second speed. It was molasses compared to God's Pony Express. Do you see this vision that Zechariah has been given before us? It starts out with a man who's mounted on a red horse, and he is leading this cavalry, multicolored cavalry, and they're camouflaged behind these thick, dense, coniferous bushes known as myrtle trees. And, and Zechariah sees them in, in the dark of this night, this kind of mysterious thing that's going on, and, and he asks the man in the middle, what's this all about, and who are these horses? Who is this cavalry? And then the man shows him. He says, well, these, or tells him, these are, these are those who are sent to go throughout all the earth. And no sooner is that man on the red horse talking. I mean, he probably isn't even done speaking when, boom, they're back. And they have the report. And I say, eat your heart out, flash. Because even the flash is absolutely slow compared to the lightning speed of these messengers. Do you see the point? God is large, and he's in charge. Because there is no earthly power so great that God is not greater. There is no earthly authority in the universe that is so high that God is not higher. There is no Persian, no force so fast that God is not faster. God is large and he's in charge. You got that? Okay, I want you to take that truth, and I want you to clutch it like gold and put it in your pocket right now. Put it on the, uh, in the back of your brain, because we're going to come back to it in a little bit. Well, let's go on. Okay, let's go on. So, so what happens here? The speedy messengers, I mean speedy messengers, come back with their report. And what's the skinny? What is their message for the angel of the Lord, what is their report when they, these scouts have gone out and scoured the whole earth? What do, what do they say? Yeah, it's all good. They announced some news that is surprising. I mean, this is absolutely stunning news given today's headlines. Just think about this. These earthly messengers go out and cover every nook and cranny of the earth in less than a second flat. And, and they go out to this sin-shattered world and they do not find the ancient equivalent 
of a 737 MAX going down, or maybe 49 people inside of a worship facility practicing their religion being gunned down. Nothing. It's all good. So when you hear news like that, that's amazing, right? Wow. If you got news like that, how would you receive it? Whoa, this is amazing. This is wonderful, right? Best news you ever heard. How does the angel of the Lord receive it? He laments it, kind of like mom laments a new spill. No, this is, no, this is so terrible. You can tell that that's how he reacts to this because he puts on his lips, this man in the middle, now identified as the angel of the Lord, puts on his lips a very common lament throughout the Old Testament. Here's what it sounds like. Ad matai! Adonai. Ad matai Adonai. Oh Lord, how long? You get it? You get why the angel of the Lord is upset at the news that the world is at peace? Because when the predators are safe and sound, the prey are not. When the world that hates God and his people enough to mow them down and to keep them down is at rest and in peace, God's people never can be. Furthermore, when the angel of the Lord takes up this lament of how long, he empathetically puts his holy sandals into the feet of people who are stuck. Because when people are facing pain and misery in their life, life moves at the opposite rate of speed as God's pony express. They're lightning fast. When you are miserable, life moves for you in slow motion. Am I right? Like you, you can't wait to get out of the thing that you're out of and, and to see that light at the end of the tunnel and say, this is it. This is finally it. And every moment is like a night where you can't sleep and you just hear the tick of the clock. And every second is an anguished eternity. And then you can even come to the point when you resign yourself and you say, you know what, I don't think there is a way. I don't think there is a light at the end of the tunnel. And you may be right. And you're just stuck living whatever you are living. And then it can come to the point where you just throw up your hands in this sigh of defeat and like, forget it. What's the use? not going to change, and it might not. That's how it was for the Jews who were sitting weeping amid the rubble of the temple, and some of the Jews who were still back in Babylon weeping by the poplars of Babylon pining for home. And that's how sometimes it is for you and for me. When we experience a shattered dream and an unmet expectation, a real hope that is unmet, when we are in our own long night of gloom, every moment 
seem like forever. Ad matai Adonai. How long, O oh Lord? And so sometimes we get stuck in our lament. Sometimes, you know what happens, though? Sometimes I think we get stuck because we don't lament. We can't ever lose sight of the person who has this, oh Lord, how long, on their lips. So this angel of the Lord embodies in one phrase, Ad matai Adonai, these heartbreaking questions that permeate the entire Old Testament. Why God did this happen? Is my life really, are you really in charge of my life, or is life just up to the fateful flip of a coin? God, where are you? Right when I need you most. Sometimes when we face pain and misery, how do we react? I just get over it. Big boys don't cry. Keep a stiff upper lip. Do you know that Jesus said, not those who keep a stiff upper lip are blessed, but those who mourn will be blessed because they will be comforted. When we deny the sorrow, when we deny the pain, we are not living the way that God designed us to live. He did not design us to face massive loss and shrug it off. He didn't. He designed us to hurt properly and to weep rightly, hoping in him and in his deliverance. And it is those who mourn, those who lament, who will receive finally the forgiveness and the grace and the freedom and the power and the comfort to get lifted up high above the muck and the mire and be given the energy to press forward. So my Evie says to me, oftentimes she says this to me, she says, Daddy, can I tell you something? People of God, can I ask you something? When were the people of Israel liberated from their long night in Egypt? Trick question. In the morning. When, <laughs> when does Psalm 46 say that God comes to deliver his people and lift them up from their siege and break open this wide new world for them? In the morning, right? In the morning. Zechariah, on the one hand, I feel kind of bad for him because, oh my goodness, he's still got a long night ahead of him. I mean, this is only vision one, seven more to go, but check this out. Not even the gloom of night can stop or stay a bright ray of the morning joy from piercing the gloom of Zechariah's night even now. And because the Bible tells us that God's mercies for us are new every morning, there is no gloom in your life 
There is no gloom and no muck and no mire and no chaos and confusion in your life that can stop or that can stay the bright morning ray of God's grace from shining on you, piercing your darkness even right now. And here it is. Are we stuck in our own ways? We are. Do we have gloom? We have our glooming night. But here it is, the bright morning ray of your deliverance, of your liberation, of your victory, of your peace, of your comfort, of your energy that cannot be stopped. The Lord speaks in answer to the angel's lament, kind and comforting words. What does he say to them? What does he say to the angel? This is what the Lord Almighty says, I am very jealous for Jerusalem and Zion. I will return to Jerusalem with mercy. My house will be rebuilt. The measuring line will be stretched out over Jerusalem. My towns will again overflow with prosperity, and the Lord will again comfort Zion and choose Jerusalem. Here is your bright morning ray. God is here at this moment, and he has let not neither time or space keep him from you right now, and this is his message to you. You are the love of my life, and my love for you burns as hot and out of control as a forest fire that consumes in its path everything that oppresses you, everything that hurts you, everything in which you are stuck. And, and neither snow, nor rain, nor heat, nor gloom of sin's night can ever keep me from loving you, from coming to you and pouring my mercy over you and renovating you to better than new and pouring into you my best blessings until they come out of your ears and they spill over to the people that surround you. Nothing, neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the future nor the past, nothing in all creation, not even you, can stop me from cleansing you and claiming you and making you mine. I love you, and I am going to save you. And I just dare you to even try to stop me. Nothing can separate you from my love. We got to believe that. I mean, we got to believe that because we have no reason but to believe that. That is not just some abstract word that just flew out of my mouth. Those words are actually made of concrete. Actually, actually those words are made of flesh and bone and blood. So Jesus tells those Pharisees, you go tell that fox Herod, ain't nothing going to stop me. Neither snow, nor rain, nor heat, nor gloom of Herod's own you know, plots and schemes are going to keep me from redeeming my people. Do you see Jesus here for you in this very word? He's the man mounted on that red horse, right? 
because he's, he's also called the angel of the Lord, the messenger of the Lord. And what a perfect name for, for Jesus that is. John, in fact, actually describes him in that way. In, the, in these visions, we see this man mounted on this horse, this angel of the Lord, accompanying Zechariah every step of the way through all of his visions. He's his constant companion, and he's there to explain and expound God's plan and God's purposes and God's activities. And that's exactly what John tells us that Jesus is in the gospel, that he is the word made flesh who has come to explain and make the Father known to us. And just as, just as the angel of the Lord was the constant companion of Zechariah in these visions, the angel of the Lord is your constant companion from cradle to crypt and in all of the muck and in all of the mire in between. Because you see, the man mounted on a red horse in the middle of the myrtles for you in his impassioned love for you became the God-man mounted on the red-stained tree in the middle of two criminals because this was his joy. I just have to get you. I just have to save you. I have to cleanse you. This is my joy. I have to dip myself into the muck and mire and be with you every step of the way. And I'm not leaving. I am not leaving you. Not even for a second. Nothing can stop my love. Dear people who have been redeemed and rescued and set so high upon this rock who is Christ, found yourself firmly on the truth that Christ Jesus died, that he was buried, and that he was raised to life on the third day. Right? Let nothing move you from that truth, says the Apostle Paul, and then don't you stop moving. Let let nothing stop you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that none of your labors in the Lord are in vain. And press on. Surge forward. Carrying the cross of a true disciple of Christ. Taking hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of you.